Hello and welcome to episode 1.15 of this podcast and to my surprise I realized that it's time to end this season, season one of this podcast. So you have just started listening to the finale of season one. I've been numbering these 1.x. For some reason 15 felt like a good cutoff point. I was going to continue and pursue the line of thought that started several days ago, earlier this week. I mentioned in previous episodes that a whole tumble of thoughts had suddenly occurred to me after an almost sleepless night, after a few hours of sleep, so it had some kind of creative, beneficial effect. But I think it was going to get a little too single-minded if I had just continued going by those notes I made. I still have several pages that I didn't really get to, Single-mindedness can be a good thing when you are pursuing a single task. But life is not a single task, it's many tasks that come and go and you have to pay attention to different things at different times. And I felt maybe it's better if I throw these thoughts out the window, metaphorically speaking, and let the winds take them wherever they will. And the good ones I'll get around to anyway. They will come back in some form or another. I wanted to talk about the film Close Encounters of the Third Kind, continuing on from this discussion about Field of Dreams from the last couple of episodes. But I thought it's better to maybe just take care of some clearing out of things in this finale and then just kick back a little and relax and wind this season down. I will continue with the first episode of the next season shortly. Part of the reason I want to get off this more single-minded track for now and return to those things maybe later is that I ended up watching some things that got my thoughts going in very different directions again, reminding me of things I had not thought about for a little while. One of these things was watching a great discussion featuring Philip Glass and Godfrey Reggio, the director of the Katsi trilogy, for which Philip Glass wrote the music. This was one of those very refreshing creative discussions that I've sometimes only briefly referred to, where the people involved say things that are creatively really inspiring and they open up these vistas or make me see things that I don't always see, I don't always remember this or these things. The nature of Koyani Skatsi and their work together in general was to present something but not tell you how to take it, how to interpret it or what message to take away from it. They were concerned with creating something that left room for the audience. So for example, they talked during this discussion I'll post a link to it on Twitter. It's a link shared recently by Philip Glass's Twitter account. They talk, for example, about how most music created for films is created with the purpose of telling you or directing you what to think or how to feel. And they didn't want to do that. They wanted to create an experience that would stir up things, but completing the work to paraphrase them would be up to the viewer. I'm looking up the name of that discussion.
It's called simply A Conversation with Godfrey Reggio and Philip Glass, shared by an account called WBUR City Space. But I'll share that link on Twitter also. And it occurred to me while watching this discussion, there's a part where they show a little of Koyaniskatsi from a sequence called The Grid. When seeing that again, it just struck me how perfect a time this would be to watch that film. If you haven't seen it, or even if you have, I think it may make quite an impression. But I don't want to say more than that because I don't want to either be telling anyone what to think or how to react to it. And another thing that I just watched before starting recording this episode was a couple of clips from a series called Northern Exposure from the 1990s. And it reminded me again in a very healthy way to also just mix up things a little bit more in my own life. I mentioned I want to take care of a few loose threads when it comes to this discussion about Field of Dreams. One of them is that I want to say something that may sound like I'm contradicting what I was saying earlier, but it's not really contradictory. I talked in the previous episode about how the main character in that film, who was someone who grew up in the 60s and was part of a hippie generation and whose limit of aggression was just saying something a little bit annoyed to his daughter. Well, what I meant with that is that that's the limit of aggression within the family, where there's no need for more. But there are a couple of other points in the film that are not within the home or within the family when dealing with other people. The main point in particular is towards the end of the film, when someone is stepping over a certain line where it's a matter of the well-being of his family. At that point, he takes a stand, of course, because then it's a matter of defending. So it's not like he would stand by if somebody was attacking his family. There's a place for anger and aggressive behavior as long as it is contained and the person is in control of it instead of the other way around, of that reaction, I mean. Then, a completely different point. There's a really great documentary that is also on YouTube. It's from the DVD extras concerning the soundtrack and how that came about. And it features James Horner and the director Phil Alden Robinson. It's called simply James Horner Discusses Field of Dreams. There are some bonus features on DVDs and Blu-rays that I've watched many times over because I keep getting something from them. And in the case of this 12-minute documentary, nearly everything these two people say has been very influential in how I see things. They are both very intuitive and creatively sharp people. The director has as much the right instincts about his work as James Horner does about, or I'm sorry to say, did have about his work. He, of course, is no longer alive. And there's a respect between them and in their communication that I don't see between nearly all creative collaborators. When James Horner sits at the piano and is playing some of the tunes they are talking about, if you look at the expression of the director, he's both in his inner world and also having complete respect for the music and the composer. He certainly doesn't interrupt 
he listens and this may be partly me seeing something in it but I think he's appreciating the moment and to me it's no wonder because the creation of music that is this simple on the surface but so strong that it's perfect and conjures up something or many things that I won't even try to put into words I think that is very special. I think it takes a special soul to create something with that kind of simplicity and beauty. I could go on about this documentary and everything they talk about. There's one part in particular that I want to mention before I have to force myself to stop and move on. At one point, the director points out how a certain theme that plays during a key scene where the main character, along with Terence Mann, a character played by James Earl Jones, are driving at night. The director points out that that music is not any one single emotion. It depends on the viewer and how they are feeling, what emotion they land on when hearing that music. So, like the director says, it's neither sad nor happy. Like I said, I could continue talking about this feature, but now I think it's time for me to kind of step back for a little bit. I'm having this ginger lemon or lemon ginger infusion recommended by my friend Javier from Argentina. And the reason I'm drinking it is that because I'm so much just by myself, that's how my daily life is right now, my voice can use some help. I don't get to use my voice a lot, so it's like a little boost before I start recording. I hope that you may also have a moment to relax, either when you're listening to this or afterwards. Maybe have a nice warm drink or cold. I'm looking at my notes to see if there's anything I want to still get into this season before I finish episode 1.15. There's a few dreams that I felt like mentioning or describing there from the last couple of weeks or so. Either last night or the night before, I was dreaming that I was in some kind of store, I think it was a bookstore or game store or comic store or something like that, and I got out and I was with a a friend. I got into a car with that friend and we started driving. I was in the front seat and she was in the back seat. It was somewhere between 6 and 7 p.m. on a Saturday and I was thinking whether I should go back to that store. Maybe I would like to do that, but I decided not to, that no, I don't need to after all. It may have been closed already, but maybe not, because with this store it's possible it was going to be open on a Saturday at this point still. So we were in a car and we were going downhill in a city. It was still light, so it was some kind of summer setting, and there was going to be an uphill slope in the distance but right now we were going downhill and when I woke up I realized that even though I was in the front seat and she was in the back seat there was no wheel in front of me I wasn't driving the car at this point I have a driver's license so I could be driving but she was driving the car from the back seat in that dream later I wondered about this point and it occurred to me that even though Literally, this could be described as backseat driving. It wasn't that on a deeper level, because there was no dynamic like that. I wasn't feeling 
any anxiety about the driving and I was completely comfortable with the situation. I didn't even give it a single thought because I knew that she was a good driver and she wasn't telling me anything either. She wasn't telling me what to do, which of course is what is meant by backseat driving. So it's a it's an interesting thing. I think it had to do with trust and knowing someone so well that you don't even need to wonder about things like safety and so on. And there was a comfort there, but it was an unusual way for a dream to express that, I guess. Another dream I had a longer time ago, it's been many days now, it was some kind of anxiety dream where there was a road and by the road was a waterway of some kind, a lake or something. And for some reason I wanted to take a shortcut or needed to take a shortcut. Maybe there was some construction going on or some roadworks. And there were girders, these metal girders set crisscrossing over the waterway. And once I had gotten onto those girders and there wasn't more than two ways to go to complete that shortcut and get across them back to the road. At that point I was with some other people and from both directions along the girders started approaching seals and the seals were getting aggressive and I was figuring out how to defend the people react in that situation in such a way that everyone would be fine. For this dream I don't have a particular interpretation. Maybe it will occur to me later. But it was memorable enough that I remembered it. And the third dream I wanted to mention. In this dream I was part of some kind of student group. We were all studying in some school. It was a simple dream. A group of them just asked me, would I like to go for a drink with them after the school day was done? And they would also give me and all of us there would be a ride back at 1 a.m. or so at night. So then we could all just crash and go to sleep. Apparently we were all living somewhere in pretty much the same place. I don't drink, but I felt good about the invitation. So I was wondering whether I should accept the invitation or just go to sleep even earlier. I wanted to accept because I don't take that kind of invitation for granted. I would have, of course, appreciated socializing that way. But on the other hand, of course, hanging out with people who are drinking, if you're not doing that, then it can be a little tiring. Plus, I was also just thinking of going to sleep, even in the dream. That's never a bad idea. So I think this is it for season one. I want to thank everyone for listening. If you've listened to all the episodes, that's really great, and I'm glad. Or if you've even just listened to this one episode, I'm also glad. If you didn't listen to the earlier ones, I could mention that I'm thinking of these as part of my legacy. The things that I leave behind. I feel it's more meaningful to do this than post these things on social media, where they will of course quickly sink in the stream. Those aren't places for things that you want to be found later. I'm also working on several books and screenplays as well as my music and some of the subject matter will overlap with this. But I like to think that there's some value in expressing your own thoughts and feelings in your own voice. I have found that to be true of other people at least. I am glad to hear people and the way they 
say things, it matters and makes a difference. And every voice is unique. If you're looking for a short story to read, I'd like to recommend one by Ray Bradbury. Well, I'd like to recommend many by him, but at this particular point, it's probably a good time to read a story called The April Witch. It's no longer April, but I think still of this time of year as spring. Maybe it's me being Finnish. It's quite summery here already, but not quite summer, so that's spring for me. It's the kind of story that after I read it for the first time a few years ago, I had the thought and reaction, how could I stay for so long away from this beauty, meaning Ray Bradbury's writing? How could I live a life where I was doing things and involved in pursuits where I wasn't getting certain things at all. I wasn't getting some of the most important things that remind me of what is important in life and what isn't. And it's kind of stunning to realize when you have that experience that it's possible to forget beauty and get lost in things that don't really give you things to go on that don't nourish that part of you that makes life worth living. That's really an interesting thing to think about, that there are things that get our attention and keep us focused on them, and we may even believe that we are really interested in them, but we don't actually get anything from them. So we can follow, let's say, a TV series for year after year, And it doesn't even make us feel good. I don't mean in a simplistic way, like a fake kind of feel-good thing where it's just not authentic. But I mean where it at most leaves you wanting to see another episode. So the series is only creating a need to see another episode. It's not just sharing something and then, then letting you get on with life. Like, for example, Northern Exposure does. It doesn't use this strategy of forcing you to watch another one, which is usually done in a manipulative way. But I don't want to get into this heavy stuff now again, because I'm wrapping up this episode and I kind of wonder if I should edit this part out. But I won't. I think it's maybe better let this episode be as messy as it turned out to be. I look forward to some sunnier topics also next season, and I'm sure that there was a lot that I forgot to say. But the main thing is... The main thing I want to say is that even though life is difficult, I'm sure for all of us, everyone I've talked with has said more or less the same thing, that we are living through strange times. I'm glad we are still all here. Those of you that I have known for longer, I am glad to know. Those I'm not in contact with may have meant more to me than I can put in words. So I won't try, I will just quickly mention it in passing. And those of you who I may not have talked with personally, or that I haven't met yet, I'm also glad to know you. I'm glad you're out there and doing your things, and I hope that you've gotten something positive from these episodes. This season one was a kind of pilot season in my mind. I was getting a sense of certain things and seeing how different things feel. Just one more thing before I go. Remember fire safety. When you are warming stuff up in the oven using that baking paper, I'm just mentioning one thing that occurred to me. 
not all of those baking papers withstand the same amount of heat. Check out the packaging and make sure that baking paper doesn't touch the edges of the oven, the walls of the oven, I mean, or the actual heating elements. It's not meant to, you have to fold it. Yes, this was a little bit random, but I just felt I needed to say it. It was something I needed to think about today. I can imagine all too vividly what would happen if the worst happened in that situation and a fire started in an oven. That's just me. Well, be safe, good night, and take care.